Okay, welcome. My name is Ben. So good to be with you today. And I don't know if you know, but today is the fourth Sunday before Christmas, which marks the beginning of the season of Advent. So happy Advent to everyone today. In our culture, Advent has been, it's been, made, been made famous by the chocolate calendars, hasn't it? And I don't know about you, but I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with them. I love the little chocolate you get every day, but I find my lack of basic self-control often exposed by the strict rationing system. Now, this is a safe place, isn't it? So I want to ask, has anyone else eaten their entire Advent calendar on December the 1st? Yes, one hand there, yeah. Or has anyone eaten it before even December started? Yeah. Or has anyone else... Okay, stolen a chocolate out of someone else's, perhaps a loved one's advent calendar. <laughs> Closed that little door again, and when questioned, acted surprised and suggested it must have been left out by the manufacturer. Okay, yep. It's a safe place, okay, guys. And the advent calendar industry, it's really taken off, actually, in recent years, especially with the rise of novelty and luxury options. I don't know if you've seen these. Take, for example, paper chases, 35-pound product called 24 Days of Stationary Joy. I think there's going to be a picture up. With the following description. Pens, pencils, diaries, notepads, and other essentials for you stationary obsessives. Some of you are like, yes, that is what I want for this year. How about the world's most expensive advent calendar? Tiffany's product, costing £104,000. I think there's a picture coming up and containing an expensive piece of jewellery for every day of the Christmas countdown. That's what I'm going to be getting for you, Lizzie. <laughs> Traditionally, though, Advent is a season for us to prepare for the birth of Jesus as we count down the days until remembering his arrival just over 2,000 years ago. And nowadays, many of the Advent calendars we see in the shops, they don't actually even mention Jesus at all. And maybe they're a sign of how far our culture has, has moved away from him and the original Christmas story. But in our own lives too, even if we're already following Jesus, it's all too easy to allow the busyness at this time of year to, to squeeze him out. The budgeting stress, arranging visits with family, decorating the house, getting the Christmas tree, getting the Christmas turkey, getting the Christmas haircut, and so on. And these aren't maybe bad things in themselves, but at the start of this Advent season, I want us to just stop and pause and reflect on three words right at the heart of the Christmas story. God with us. God with us. It's our Christmas theme here at Trent through the month of December. And as we start the series, I wonder what do those words mean to you today? God with us. Maybe you've got a strong sense of God's presence in your life already, and it's a source of comfort and strength to you. But maybe for you, those words, God with us, are jarring or, or painful because of the brokenness you see in the world around you or challenges you're facing in your life. Maybe, maybe you're struggling in a relationship, a marriage or friendship. Maybe you're facing a health issue at the moment or troubles at work or in your finances. You might be asking, how, how, how is God with me at the moment in what I'm going through right now? Maybe you're not going through a particular trial, but you've just got questions about whether God is real at all. And so maybe you're more likely to ask, does God with us have any real meaning? Maybe you're here today on a journey exploring faith. And if that's you, we're so thrilled you're here. 
And we hope you'll be able to continue exploring what God with us means through this Christmas season. Now, God with us originally comes from, comes from the Bible, and it's a translation of an ancient Hebrew word, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means with us, and El is the ancient word for God. So it's like with us, Emmanuel, God, or how we'd say it the other way around, God with us. Emmanuel was one of the names given to Jesus at his birth. Now, we're familiar with the, with the Christmas narratives, aren't we? Joseph and the Virgin Mary with their miracle baby, no room for them at the inn. The baby Jesus, born in a manger, surrounded by the animals and the shepherds. The three wise men bringing their gifts. But right at the heart of the Christmas message is this good news that God has come. God has come to be with us, with you and with me, as a man in the person of Jesus. There's a, a New York pastor and author, Tim Keller, who puts it like this. The simple meaning of Christmas is that the creator king of the whole universe has become a human being. That's the message of Christmas. Now, before Jesus came, the Old Testament part of the Bible records God sending all kinds of prophets and leaders, angels and messengers to reveal himself and to save people from trouble they were in. But the first Christmas story, it's fundamentally different because God chooses to send himself as a human being in the person of Jesus. Now, Jesus was with God and one with God from before the world even began, but he willingly lays all of that aside to come and be with us, to live as one of us. The maker of all things lowers himself to become a vulnerable and helpless baby. The one who breathed life into all creation uses a tiny pair of lungs to take his first breaths. The one who flung stars into space willingly becomes dependent on a teen teenage mother for sustenance and warmth and for protection. But why? What was the reason God decided to do this? It's clear that he planned it from, from long, long ago. There are hundreds of prophecies and signs predicting the birth and the life of Jesus before he was even born. We can find them in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And one example is the prophet Isaiah, who wrote about 700 years before Jesus was even born. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God evidently planned the first Christmas long before Jesus was born. But what was the purpose? Why couldn't God have sent more messengers, prophets, angels to point people to himself? What was it that he came to do that could be only done in this way? And I want to just explore two reasons briefly with you today. Firstly, it was the only way that God could fully reveal himself to us. And secondly, it was the only way that God could fully save us. Now, me and my wife, Lizzie, we've recently had our first child, little Samuel, who's six months old. And Sam's just, starting, just started eating solids, which is lining him up nicely for his first Christmas dinner. And I really want Sam to know how much of a cool, fun dad I am. But how can I do that? I can't just go and grab a cheeky flat white with him. I can't WhatsApp him with things on my mind. I can't expect him to watch Match of the Day with me or MasterChef, spending quality time doing that. Hopefully, all these will be options in years to come. But for now, to connect with Sam, I need to enter his world. 
So I join him on his little play mat with his toys, or I sit at the piano with him and sing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, or Old MacDonald Had a Farm on repeat, or I read his favorite book, That's Not My Dinosaur, for hours and hours, and I know it off by heart. I could literally repeat it right now. It's actually a great little book. It's got these little tactile bits and everything. There's a whole series of them. You know, you guys, you should actually take a look. I'm 36 years old. I'm way beyond That's Not My Dinosaur. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that Sam can see me and get to know me. So I gladly choose to enter his world because I love him. And in a similar way, God chose to descend into our world from immeasurable heights to be with us as a man in the person of Jesus because he loves us, because he loves you, because he loves me. He did it so we could see how he loved, how he interacted, how he related with people. He did it so we could know him and observe what he's like. St. John uh, was one of Jesus' closest friends. He followed Jesus. He spent time with him. He observed him close up. He, of all people, was well-placed to see God's revelation in the person of Jesus. And in the first chapter of his gospel found in the Bible, he writes about Jesus coming in this way. The word, that, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I like how the message translation puts, puts the same verse. The word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw his glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And John's account makes clear that Jesus is God become flesh and blood, visible, touchable, smellable, knowable, followable. It's God moved into our neighborhood. So it follows that if we want to know what God is like, we can look at Jesus. He is literally God in the flesh. Jesus is what God is like in human form, the exact representation of his nature. Now, J. John is a minister who, who spoke here a few years ago, and he tells a story of when he was doing a school assembly with hundreds of students, and one pupil interrupted, put his hand up, and asked him the question, Sir, have you ever seen God? J. John replied, I would have seen God if I'd lived at the right time. What about you? Have you ever seen Queen Victoria? If we'd lived 150 years ago, we both could have seen Queen Victoria. And if we'd lived 2,000 years ago, we could have seen God in the person of Jesus. At Christmas time, we particularly remember Jesus' birth. But it's his whole life that reveals what God is like to us. For instance, how do we know that God is kind? We see the way Jesus was kind. He loved everyone he met. He was moved with compassion for people who were lonely, for the brokenhearted, for those struggling to find hope. How do we know that God wants to bring healing? We see the way Jesus healed every person who came to him, no matter what the condition or disease. How do we know that God is wise? We see the way Jesus taught the brilliance of his teaching is, it's never been matched. He taught us to love one another, our enemies as well as our friends, to never judge, to live life to the full, free from selfishness, worry, anger, 
the things that hold us back? How do we know that God is forgiving? We see the way Jesus drew near to people who others condemned for their lifestyle choices and proclaimed forgiveness freely over those who came to him burdened by sin and shame. How do we know that God is powerful? We see how Jesus calmed the storm, fed thousands with a small picnic, raised people from the dead, and delivered those oppressed by forces of darkness. I wonder for some of you here today, what is it about God's nature that that you need to see again this Christmas? What are things perhaps about God's character that you might be struggling to to hold on to personally in your heart? Maybe it's his love for you. Does God really care about me? Maybe it's his power to bring about change in your life. Maybe it's whether his forgiveness could stretch as far to the place you found yourself in. God wants to be with you in all those things. And I'm sure many of us wrestle with some aspect of God's character through different seasons of our life. In the first Christmas, God sent Jesus to reveal himself to us. But now Jesus has ascended back into heaven. We can't see him in quite the same way. So how can we continue to see God clearly, especially in those tough seasons? One way is through the Holy Spirit, God's presence in our hearts. And Dave Ellis is going to be sharing about that more in a couple of weeks' time in the series. But another way is through this book, the Bible. When I prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into my life, I was about 15 years old, and I didn't really know much about him. I wasn't part of a church at the time, and uh, I only had one Christian friend at school. And he was the guy who actually led me to Jesus right there in the school hall of all places. But from then until now, one of the main ways that I've built up a, a picture of who God is to me and what he's like is through seeing Jesus in the pages of this book. As, I, as I've read the Bible over the years, I, be, I haven't become an academic or an expert, but I have found that God has spoken to me quietly and helped me get to know him. When I started, I started at the back of the book of Revelation because I like to know how stories end, and I definitely wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> but I'm not sure how much I actually understood. But over the months and years, the truths about Jesus in here have become truths that I know on and rely on in here too. They've kind of become like anchor points that I can hold on to about God's character, his promises to me, his love for me, no matter what I'm feeling, and his plan for my life. And it's especially when things are tough or I'm tempted to doubt God or myself that the picture of Jesus that I have from this book has been so helpful to come back to again and again. And there's a tool you might have heard of, I found really useful, called um, The Bible in One Year, on a practical note. It's an app you can get free on your phone. And it just gives a great structure to read the Bible in one year with bite-sized chunks every day. So if if, if you're not a fan of reading, it's got like an audio version as well. So maybe that could be a help for you if, if you're looking to press into the Bible a bit more. Now Jesus reveals who God truly is. And we can get to know him better through the Bible. But as his followers, we also get to play our part in continuing to reveal him to the world around us, to one another, to our friends, our family, our colleagues. And I love stories of people doing here, 
doing that here from, from Trent. I love hearing those stories. So I wanted to share a few of them with you today. Back in April, we interviewed uh, Pete, who comes here, and he's a, a welder by trade. And we heard how Pete had stepped out in faith over, over the last few weeks um, before April, and he prayed for people at his workplace, and three people had been healed. Since then, Pete has continued to pray for people at work and now has seen 19 separate instances of healing in eight people. Some of, peop some of those people have been healed of, of multiple things. And none of them were Christians at the time, although many of them are now on a journey exploring who Jesus is. Recently, Pete said that he prayed for one lady with a really painful, ingrowing toenail, and she was booked to have an operation to remove it. And Pete prayed for her on the Monday, and she was going for her operation on the Wednesday. But by the time she went to hospital, she was told she no longer needed that operation because it had been completely healed. And the nurse couldn't believe it and said, I don't understand because these things just don't heal that quickly. So Jesus is being revealed in that workplace as Pete continues to step out in faith. Amazing, amazing. <clears throat> A couple of weeks ago, we held the Cause to Live for conference here. There was hundreds of young adults that came along and a highlight for me was on Saturday afternoon when 154 of us, we went into Nottingham Centre to reveal Jesus to our city with these little cards called Jesus at the Door. And I think there's a picture of us coming up um, before we went out in the kids' centre. And when we arrived in Market Square, the Christmas market was up. And as I looked around the stalls, almost everywhere I looked, I saw people talking about Jesus with these little cards and being prayed for. It was amazing. It felt like Jesus had moved into the neighborhood. And during the course of about an hour, 15 people we know about said yes to Jesus for the first time. And I prayed with one guy, and he felt the Holy Spirit as we prayed together. He invited Jesus in. And then he came along here to Trent the next day and loved it. Then he's been along to our small group, and I'm hoping he's going to come back tonight. I'm so excited about his journey. And next week, as we've heard about, it's our carol services. What an amazing opportunity to invite friends who don't yet know Jesus. And our invitation could be the start of them realizing God's to, God wants to be with them in their life too. So we've looked at how God came to be with us in the person of Jesus on that first Christmas in order to reveal himself to us. We've explored how he continues to reveal himself to us in the Bible especially, and finally, we've thought about how, as his followers, we can play our part in continuing to reveal who he is. And the second point I want to make is that God came to be with us on that first Christmas because it was the only way he could fully save us. Now, names matter, don't they? After me and Lizzie found out we were expecting a baby, we each went away and wrote a list of our top names in secret. And then we came back together with a list of seven or eight names each, and we wanted to see what matched. And of course, none of them did. So it's back to square one. And we ended up choosing the name Samuel together in the hospital, actually, a few hours after he'd been born. In the first Christmas story, it was a bit different for Mary and Joseph. They, they had angels come to visit them to tell them what to name their baby. In, in chapter one of Matthew's gospel, we read about how the angel appeared to Joseph and explain the reason why they were to use the name Jesus. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. Reading this, the question I found myself asking was, but who are his people? Who will Jesus save from their sins? And the answer is, of course, everyone, anyone who receives him, anyone who puts their trust in him. Total forgiveness is a free gift that God wants all of us to experience because of his great love for us. I like how um, Nicky Gumbel from the Alpha Course puts it. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But as our greatest need is forgiveness, he sent a savior. That's why Jesus came on that first Christmas. He came not only to to reveal God to us, but also to save us through his death. And Jesus' friend Peter put it like this. He himself bore his sins, bore our sins in his body on the cross. Even though he was completely innocent, Jesus took all our guilt, all our shame onto himself and died for us in our place so we could be brought back to God and know him. Perhaps you're here today with questions about about God and how you could find forgiveness in your life. And if that's you, you're you're so welcome to go on that journey here. We're We're a community full of people whose lives have been impacted through experiencing this forgiveness from God. For example, I got to know uh, Ross recently. He's been coming along for a couple of months, and he said I could share some of his story with you today. Ross had had made some really bad decisions, which which resulted in a breakdown of of a relationship. He was smoking heavily, taking drugs, doing other things to escape the pain and darkness. And and he felt, actually, his life was spiraling downhill. And at a low point, Ross cried out to God for help. And he he gave his life to him. He opened his his heart to him. And after that, he knew he wanted to find a church, and he found himself here. And Ross said he's still a work in progress, but he knows that he's a new person on the inside. He knows he's got a new start in life because Jesus has saved him. He says that the guilt and the shame he felt has been lifted, and he's got hope for the future. And this is the kind of forgiveness we can experience through Jesus. It has a powerful effect on on all of our relationships because that forgiveness can spread through our lives to those around us. Another lady who's been exploring faith on our Alpha course over the last eight weeks, she's been experiencing this, and, and she emailed me about it and said I could share her story. And she writes this. In the months leading up to joining Alpha, I'd been really hurt by two people close to me. Each week I came along, I noticed when my alpha table touched on the subject of forgiveness, but my first response was to think, it's easier to say you'll forgive than to actually do it and mean it. I kept thinking about forgiving the two people, but I couldn't find the strength until I came to Trent Vineyard one Sunday. The speaker shared his story and God's amazing love, and it really struck a chord for me. The same day, I went home and sent a text to the two people that had hurt me, saying, I forgive you both. I wish you so much love and hope for the future. I hope you find all the happiness and peace and have a wonderful life. And it was only after I pressed send 
that I realized how much hate I'd been harboring and how it had been really affecting me. The peace I felt letting go has been immeasurable. And that's an amazing story. But for some of us, perhaps forgiveness is a really difficult thing to think about right now. Maybe you know you, you need to forgive someone, but it's really, really hard, especially perhaps at Christmas time. And if that's you, we'd love to, to pray for you after the service and ask for God to, to help you in that. But also, I'd encourage you to look to Jesus, to draw strength from his example of forgiveness as you go on that journey. So as we start this season of Advent and open our Advent calendars, what should our response be to this message of God coming to be with us, to reveal himself and to save us? For some of us, I think it's just an invitation to find space in the midst of the Christmas busyness, to, to express our gratitude and our thanks to God for what he's done. Maybe for others, today there are particular aspects of God's character that you know perhaps you're not seeing that clearly and you're wrestling with right now. And I think God would love to draw near to you today and help you in that. And, and, and again, we'd love for you to come and have someone pray for you for that after the service. For others, as you've heard the story about Pete praying for people, maybe you've been inspired, you want to, to play a greater part in revealing Jesus to the world around you and you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. And finally, I think there are some here who know they need to, to receive that forgiveness from Jesus for the things that are weighing heavily on you right now, today. And if that's you, in a moment, I want to give an opportunity, even if it's only one person here today, to ask Jesus into your life to give you that gift of forgiveness.